But you can turn in your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 7. Isaiah chapter 7. We'll start there. We'll get, of course, back into Luke and all of that. But this morning we're seeing the great truth about Christmas. It's that time of the year when we think about, and it's, it's almost here. It's to, tonight and then tomorrow, of course. Uh, we celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. Think about this, that God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son into the world that we might have eternal life simply by faith. The truth is Christmas is the birth of the Savior. God sent his son. And I, I like to look at it this way. The baby born in Bethlehem was indeed the Savior of the world. And so as we enjoy this Christmas time, I know it'll be a great time for all of us. And I hopefully that we can all be with family and friends and just a great time to remember the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. I think my favorite time of the year is Christmas when I have such great memories, thinking about memories at my home growing up with my mom and daddy and, and brothers and sisters, but also now as my, my own family and as, as just a special time of being together, the fun, the food, the fellowships, the lights, the decorations, but it all comes together. But we gather, and we really think about it. We think, oh, Christmas is so fun. But it's all about the birth of Jesus Christ. This time of the year, we focus on his birth. He is the Savior of the world, the Savior who comes into the world. And so I put this verse up while ago. I just want you to think about it. This is the whole thing. God so loved the world. The world is us. In fact, the word in, in, in John 3, 16, the word for world means the fallen world. God so loved this world that he gave his son. His son left the glories of heaven, Jesus Christ, to become a human being so he could die on the cross and pay for our sin and rise again. And then it says, he gave his son to die and rise again, that whoever, anyone, any person who would believe in him, it's faith alone and Christ alone. It's not our works, our goodness. It's just believing in Jesus Christ. Whoever would believe in him would never never perish, but have eternal life. That's life for, with him forever. I like to say the message is that Jesus died and rose again, and the response is to believe in him, and the offer is eternal life. And that's what it's all about. We've come together to worship the one who gives eternal life. And the great truth about this wonderful time of the year is the baby born in Bethlehem is the Son of God, the Savior of the world. So Christmas deals with that. Uh, uh, and so here's the question, and, and sometimes people raise this. Why, why did the Son have to become a person? Why did Jesus Christ have to leave heaven, and who is a spirit being from all time, and then become a human being? Why? So he could die in our place, because God can't die. So God becomes a man. Jesus Christ is the God-man. So that he could be our substitute because the wages of sin is death and we all owe God death and there has to be a payment and that payment Jesus Christ took our place he became the perfect man so he could die for the sins of fallen mankind so when you think about it Jesus Christ came to the earth to die for every one of us in this room and every human being that's ever lived and ever will live Jesus took our sins upon himself why did he become a person so he could die for us that's the bottom line so let me give you what we're going to do today and we'll do it pretty quick I just want you to see it. We're going to look at four areas. We're going to get just a little background, Old Testament promises and prophecies. Just touch on that. Then we're going to see the announcement to Mary and Joseph, how God picked these two out, and we'll see how that works. And then we'll actually see, of course, the birth of Jesus Christ, and we have to see that. It's Christmas. We think about it. And then why? Why did all this happen? So let's start with the background. The promises of God and some prophecies, and they're going to go together. We're going to look at two different things. God made some promises, and then God made some prophecies. So let's start with the promise. And it promises, it goes all the way back to the beginning of the Bible. In Genesis chapter 3, Genesis 3.15, 
Adam and Eve basically sinned, came short of God's glory, deserved death. God comes and says, I'm sending a Savior. And he told, through Eve, it says, through the seed of woman will come one day and crush the head of the serpent. He promised way back then that God would send a Savior to save mankind. Man has sinned. Everything started so good, and they sinned, they fell, and then he actually removed them from the garden, but he made a promise. The seed of woman will come and crush the head of the serpent. Later on, God picked out a man by the name of Abraham and told him in Genesis 12 that he would have a descendant who would be the Messiah. This one that was going to come through this woman, the seed of woman, is actually going to come through Abraham and have as a descendant who would be the Messiah, the one that all the nations of the world would be blessed because Jesus, the Messiah, would die in their place. Well, time went by and there came some more. In 2 Samuel chapter 7, God actually told David that his greater son, a descendant of David, would sit on the throne of Israel forever. Those were promises that God made in the Old Testament. And so the one, this one born would be the son of God. He'd be the savior. He'd be the king. He would be the one coming in the world. That's the promises. Well, let's look real quickly at some of the prophecies. And you have your Bible open to Isaiah 7, but I've got it right here for you. Isaiah 7, 14, God made a promise. Here's what it says in Isaiah 7. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. God's going to give a sign. Behold, here's the sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and she will name him Emmanuel. Now, when you look at that verse, it says, The Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold... And by the way, you there is plural. He's talking about all people. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Now, there was a particular king that this was presented to. But when it gets to this part, it actually becomes plural. He's not just talking to that king. He says, the Lord will give you plural a sign. Behold, a virgin. A virgin will be with a child and bear a son. So you see, there's going to be a virgin and a little boy. And she will name him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Just in that verse right there, we see that this one is going to come from a virgin who will be a, a boy and, and that, that he'll be God. The virgin will be a child. He'll be a poor person, a man. But he's called Emmanuel, which is God with us. But there's more. And this verse is Isaiah 9, 6. And, and it says, for a child will be born to us. A son will be given to us. There it is. The child born is the person. The son is the eternal son of God. And the government will rest on his shoulders. Whoa. So all of a sudden we find out more. There's a virgin who's going to have a boy who is God who's going to be a king. Because he's the child born. As you admit, the son's given. The son of God. The son of God is not born. The son of God is given. He's always existed. And he'll have a government. He will be the king. And so when we start thinking about all this, we think this. Micah 5.2 says, wait a minute, there's even more. But as for you, Bethlehem, Ephratah, too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you one will go forth for me to be the ruler of Israel. Now, that's the one we've already seen. That's, that's the virgin who's going to have a little boy who is God, and he's going to be born where? He's going to be born in Bethlehem, and his goings forth are long ago. He's always existed. This is the God-man being born in Bethlehem. So when you think about it, you say, well, wait a minute. So what is going on? What is all this prophecy and promises? Well, the eternal Son of God will be born of a virgin in Bethlehem, and he will be coming as the Savior and King. 
So when you think about Christmas, what is Christmas all about? It is about the eternal Son of God being born of a virgin in the city of Bethlehem, and he's coming as Savior and King. That's who he is. He's the God-man born of a virgin in Bethlehem, the Savior of the world and the King of kings and the Lord of lords. That's who he is. Well, let's think about it. Let's see what about what the announcements. How did all this come about? Well, we're going to see two people that are going to get told all about what we just looked at. One is Mary. We call it Mary the Virgin. And then Joseph, the husband, the provider and the protector. So turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. And we're going to see the most, one of the most famous stories in the Bible. And it's where the angel Gabriel comes to Mary. Notice verse 26 of Luke chapter 1. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee named Nazareth. And he's going to give us more information. To a virgin, notice that, betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, of the descendants of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. So right there we've got it. That this angel, Gabriel, left heaven, came to a city called Nazareth, came to a woman whose name was Mary. She's a virgin. She's engaged or ready to be married to, betrothed to a man by the name of Joseph. And that's her name is Mary. So we see that, wow, this is amazing. So two people, and then what happens? So he comes, and look what happens when he comes. He came in, coming into her, he said to her, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. Now this, she was very perplexed at this, because she didn't know what the statement meant. And she was pondering what kind of greeting this was. Now can you imagine, and we've talked about this, that she could have been as young as 14 years old, and she could have been as old as probably 18 or 19. So she's still young no matter how you look at it. What would you do if an angel appeared to you? And, and the angel Gabriel. Now, Gabriel's been around forever, right? He was created by God years, million, years and years and millions ago. And he exists. And he, he came to Daniel. He's come to Mary. And he comes to Mary and says, Greetings. You are favored of the Lord. The Lord is with you. She was pretty upset. She didn't know what to think about. And it says there's fear there. And so he says to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You found favor with God. Wow. I think about finding favor with God. Every one of us in this room who have believed in Jesus Christ for eternal life have found favor with God because we're all sinners. We need a Savior. What are we going to do? Jesus Christ died in our place, paid for sin and rose again, and give us the gift of eternal life. And we are favored by God. Well, here's what he says to her. He says, you found favor with God. And then he's going to give a promise. And he says this. You're going to have a son, and you're going to name him Jesus. Well, there's some things that are a little bit off here. You think, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. How can that be possible? Because don't be afraid, Mary. You found favor with God. You're going to conceive in your womb. You're going to give birth to a son, and you're going to name him Jesus. Now, the name Jesus actually means Savior. So she realizes she's going to have a child. It's going to be a, a boy, a person. And his name's going to be Jesus, which means Savior. But, and she, but her thought is, wait a minute, how is, how is that possible? You know, because I'm... I'm uh, I'm a virgin, and we're not come together yet, because you remember in that day and time, they're betrothed, which means that they've come together in the sense that the families have put it together, and they're, they're, they're betrothed, and that means if they decided not to get married, it, they'd have to have a divorce. So they're betrothed, but they've never come together as a husband and wife, so to speak. And so he goes on to tell her some incredible news. Look at verse 32. He shall be great 
And we call the son of the most high. He's going to be God. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He's going to be a king. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom will be no end. He's going to be the son of the most high God. So what have we got? We've got a virgin. And we've got that this is a boy coming. But he's going to be the son of God. And he's going to be a king. He's going to take the place of his father David. And of course, she raises the question, well, how, how, can, how, how can this be? Uh, because I'm a virgin. And so the angel said to her, don't worry. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. For this reason, also, this holy child, this little boy, will be called the Son of God. A little later, Mary said, behold, the Lord's bondservant, may it be done to me according to your word. So what do we have? We have the virgin, and we have uh, a child, and we have the Son of God, and we have a king. But there's more. So let's see about going to, to Joseph. And if you have your Bible, just flip over to Matthew chapter 1 real quickly. And it says this, that, he's, that Joseph, Joseph would be like any of us. In fact, he's probably better than most of us. Because when he found out that she was pregnant, she disappeared and was gone for three months. She went down to visit with one of her relatives, Elizabeth, who was six months pregnant, and she stayed down there for three months till the baby was born, John the Baptist, and she comes back, and she comes back, and she's three months pregnant. And Joseph said, where did you go? And she said, I just, I visited my relative, but I got to tell you some good news. This baby is from God. And he says, yeah, right, but I love you so much that I'm not going to, I'm not going to, first of all, have you killed, stoned. Number two, I'm not going to publicly divorce you. Not publicly. I'm going to do it privately. I'm just going to set you aside. We'll go on with our lives. You go your way. I'll go my way. And while he was sleeping, an angel came to him in a dream. And what did the angel say? Joseph, don't be afraid. Son of, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She shall give birth to a son. You shall name him Jesus. Why? He will save his people from their sins. And he went on to say, by the way, this is what was fulfilled by the prophet. Behold, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel. The angel says, by the way, this is the prophecy of Isaiah. The Virgin Mary will have a son. The Son of God is named Jesus, and he'll be the Savior and the King. And, of course, Joseph's being a righteous man, got up from the dream, took her and says, this is from God. That baby is the Savior of the world. Wow. It's pretty incredible. What if it happened to you? What would you think? Would you say, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, I got it. Yeah, I got this. What would you think? There's a problem. The baby was going to be born in Bethlehem. But they're in Nazareth. Nazareth is in the northern part of Israel, and Bethlehem is in the southern part of Israel. And in those days, you just didn't get in the car and drive a couple of hours and get somewhere. It would take 200 and something miles, maybe a more than 300 miles. It would take you a long time to leave Nazareth and go to Bethlehem. And why would you go? Because you live in Nazareth. But the prophecy said the baby would be born in Bethlehem. So what's going to happen? Well, let's look at Luke chapter 2. So flip over in your Bibles to Luke chapter 2.
Now, in those days, verse 2, verse 1, in those days there was this decree went out from Caesar Augustus that a census be taken of all the inhabited earth. Now, it just so happens at this exact time when Mary and Joseph live in Nazareth and are about to have a baby, it just so happens at this exact time that the Caesar, Caesar Augustus decides that I want a census to count everybody. I want more taxes. I want to be able to tax the people. I want to find out where people are living. So we're going to have a census and everyone must return to their hometown. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was the governor of Syria. And all the people were on the way to register for the census, each to his own city. So everybody had to go back. The decree. You had to go to the hometown. Well, remember, who is the descendant of David? Joseph is, but also Mary. So look at verse 4. Now Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Omni, Bethlehem. Because he was of the house and the family of David in order, why? To register along with Mary who was betrothed to him. They're not married yet, by the way. Betrothed to him and was pregnant. Now, that's how Matthew puts it. They're on the way from Nazareth to Bethlehem. Why? Because he's the lineage of David. So what do we have? The prophecy and the promises were there'd be a virgin who would have a boy who would be God, who would be the Savior and the King, and would be born in Bethlehem. That's the promises. Well, we have the virgin, and we have the little boy coming. He is the Son of God. We have that he's the Savior and the King, and they are now on their way to Bethlehem. And so in verse 4, Joseph went up from the city of Galilee and Nazareth to Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house of the family of David in order to register with Mary, who was betrothed to him and were pregnant. They made it. They got there. And listen to the next verse. While they were there in Bethlehem, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in cloths and laid him in a manger, a feed trough, because there was no room for them in the inn. It was time, and the baby came. But the baby just didn't a baby. The baby is a boy. The baby is God. The baby is Savior. The baby is King. The baby is a descendant of King David. The baby is born in Bethlehem. The baby is born to a virgin. That's who it is. The Savior of the world. The Savior has come into the world. And as we all think about Christmas, we go, oh, I love Christmas. I love presents. I love this. I love all the good songs. I love everything. The purpose of Christmas, that the Savior has come into the world. That the glories of heaven, let, that Jesus Christ left heaven to become a person. And by the way, he can always be a person. The Father is a spirit being and the Holy Spirit is a spirit being. Jesus Christ is a human being. He's the only one that's a God-man. And he will exist for all time as a man, as a human being. He rose from the grave in a glorified body as a human being. And they touched him and they saw him. And he's ascended into heaven. And one day we're going to be with him. And he's going to come back to this earth in a human body. And he's going to rule forever and ever and ever in a human body. God became a person, so he could die for us. Well, let's see what happened, because there's more, there's more to it. There's more to it. There are some shepherds out there. In the same region, uh, 
there were some shepherds staying out in their fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. Let me just say something to you. That here's these shepherds out there, and what, what are, what's their sheep for? You realize that Bethlehem is eight miles from Jerusalem, less than going to Perkins, okay? And between Bethlehem and Jerusalem, all these sheep. Why? Why are these shepherds out there with their sheep? Because you remember what happens in Jerusalem. That's where they offer the sacrifices. What are a lot of the sacrifices? They're sheep. These shepherds were probably out there having their sheep, getting ready that people would come and take them, buy them, and use them as sacrifices. They're out there. Some people say, Jesus couldn't have been born, you know, in December. Number one, it was too cold. There wouldn't be shepherds out with their flock. Well, that's wrong. I was in Jerusalem Actually, I was in Bethlehem in 1976, Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. I was in Bethlehem, and I was outside at night with some shepherds watching over their flock by night, and I had a sweater on. That's all. wasn't cold at all. Second, I also had a friend who um, had a seaside, seaside mission to the Jewish people. He had this mission, and he did a lot of study, and he looked at all the different prophecies, and he went back through history and was able to find when the priest ruled and when their families ruled. And he went all the way back to when Zacharias ruled, and when Zacharias had John the Baptist, and when John the Baptist was born, and that John the Baptist was six months older than Jesus, and he figured out the whole lineage, and he said that if you fill out the limits, Jesus was most likely born in November, December, January, somewhere in there. So, if somebody wants to come to you and try to spoil your fun that Jesus wasn't born in December, just say, probably was. But it doesn't matter. We have the Savior of the world. Well, these shepherds were out there keeping watch over their flock by night, and an angel of the Lord suddenly stood near them, and the glory of the Lord shone right about them. They were terribly frightened. They were so afraid. And here's what the angel said. Don't be afraid, for behold, I bring you Good news of great joy for all the people. I love that verse. The angel declares good news. That's called the gospel of great joy. Why? Because it brings salvation. It's to all people, to every human being in the entire world. This message is for us. And he goes on to say, the angel says, For today in the city of David there has been born for you, guess what? A Savior who is Christ the Lord. They're born a child, a human being who is the Savior, the one who would save the world, who is Christ the Lord, the Son of God. Jesus Christ is the God-man who is born in Bethlehem as the Savior of the world. So be afraid, I bring you good news of great joy to all the people for today in the city of David is born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. How are you going to find that baby? Well, here will be the sign. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloth and lying in a in a feed trough. That's where you'll find them. They had a feeling that it wasn't going to be in some kind of house. It was going to be probably outside where a feed trough would be. And of course, we know that they went. And the angels appeared. This, it said there, suddenly this angels, a multitude appeared, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the eyes. And on earth, peace among men who's well pleased. And when the angels left, the wise men said, I mean, the uh, shepherds said, We've got to go find this one. We've got to go find this one. The promises and the prophecies were fulfilled exactly as God planned. Jesus was born in Bethlehem of the Virgin Mary. He is the Savior. He is the Son of God. He is the Son of David. He is the King. 
all of the promises, the seed of woman will crush the head of the serpent, that's Jesus, that the one who is descendant of Abraham, the one who is descendant of David would come, would be born in Bethlehem, the sign would be born of a virgin, Virgin Mary, and he is the one who is named Jesus, because Jesus means Savior. He will save the people. He's the Son of God and the King of kings and the Lord of lords. So let's stop and think, why? The Son of God, born of a virgin in Bethlehem, comes as the Savior and King? Well, why? He came to be our Savior, to die in our place. First Peter 3.18, Christ died for our sins, the just for the unjust. Now, he died for our sins. He knew no sin. In fact, he's the just one. We're the unjust. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. Is where the wages of sin is death. Jesus Christ, the only perfect one who ever lived, the only perfect person who ever lived, the Son of God, the eternal Son of God, the God-man, born of the Virgin in Bethlehem, came and died in our place. So 30-something years later, Jesus Christ began a ministry which was for three, three and a half years and then died on the cross for us. So why did he come? To be our Savior. Why? To bring us to God. The verse says, Christ died for our sins once for all, the just for the unjust, to bring us to God. That's why he came. I love the Galatians passage, but in the fullness of time, meaning in exactly the right time, God sent forth his son, that's Jesus, born of a woman, going to be a human being, born under the law, under the Mosaic law, in order that he might redeem, pay the price for those who are under law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. Jesus Christ came as the Savior of the world. And of course, the greatest verse of all, God so loved the world, that's all people, that he gave his son, Jesus Christ, to be born of a virgin in Bethlehem. Why? So he could die for our sins and rise again. And that whoever, anyone, would believe in Jesus Christ would never perish, never be separated, but have the gift of eternal life, living forever with Jesus Christ. I hope and pray, every one of you in this room, and it doesn't matter how young you are or how old you are, I hope that every one of you in this room understand the real reason for Christmas, the real reason that the baby was born in Bethlehem, the real reason was he died for you. He took your sins upon himself and my sins upon himself. He made the payment. He died and rose again, conquering death, paying for sin, and offering to anyone a gift. The gift is eternal life. That's why I said the message is Jesus died and rose again. The response is to believe in him. It's always faith. And the offer is eternal life. Simply by faith, we get the gift of eternal life. So God so loved the world that he gave his son. But he's also the king. That's why we said all this morning that he's the Savior and the King, that he takes the throne of his father, David. We saw several weeks ago, Revelation 19, 11, the heavens open. Jesus Christ comes as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Jesus Christ one day will come as the King, taking the throne of his father, David. So I want you to think about this. When we think of Christmas, we think of the first coming of Jesus to die on the cross to pay for sin and rise again. When we think of the second coming of Jesus, we think of him as the King of kings and the Lord of lords who will rule in righteousness and justice. And all of us who have believed in Christ for eternal life, not only have eternal life, but we will be with him forever as he rules in righteousness and justice. So we're nearing Christmas. It's tomorrow. We realize the Christmas story is the story of the Son of God, born in Bethlehem to a virgin, to, so he could die and rise again, to be the Savior 
and the king. So let me give you some applications. First of all, let's proclaim the great message of Christmas. The Savior is coming to the world. That's, in fact, uh, I titled this message, The Savior is Coming to the World. We think about it, God has fulfilled his promises. The Old Testament prophets said that there would be one coming. In fact, they said there's, there's going to be a virgin, have a child, and the child will be the son of God. And then there's some another place that says a son is, is uh, the, the child is born, but the son is given. And he's, he's going to be the king of kings and the Lord of lords and the savior of the world. And so the Old Testament prophets told it and he, God fulfilled his promises and his prophecies. Jesus was born in Bethlehem as the savior. And so as we think of all the great stories and sing all the great songs about the baby born in Bethlehem, silent night and away in a manger and all of those things, think about that that baby is the savior of the world. That's the message. He first coming to born to die to pay for our sins. I'd never get over the fact that you remember that if you look in the scripture, Jesus, baby, the baby was born and there, uh, and it's a baby. Uh, it's called brethos in the Greek, which means a little infant. And the baby was born. Eight days later, they took Jesus in, had him circumcised and named him Jesus. Then 33 days after that, they came in and were going to offer a sacrifice to God. That's what they did. If you had a firstborn son, you had to do that. They come into the temple to do that. And this man, by the name of Simeon, comes in. And he said, let me hold that baby. God had told him, you will not die until you see the Messiah. He's an old man. He says, it's got to be pretty close because I'm old. And sure enough, he went in the power of the Holy Spirit that day. He walked in. He saw that baby. God had told him, there's the Messiah. He went over, took the baby in his arms and said, God, I can die. I've seen the Messiah and the Savior. And then he looked at her. And said, this baby is going to be great joy and great sorrow. He's going to have to die to pay for the sins of the world as the Savior. His second coming, he's coming as the king to rule, as king of kings and lord of lords. May we never forget these great truths. The third thing, let's tell others. We have a lot of opportunities because you can be with family and friends and people all around us. And so many people have never understood the whole purpose of Christmas, that God so loved the world that he gave his son to be the savior and whoever believes in him has eternal life. It is amazing how simple that message is. Don't confuse it. Don't add to it. Don't get people confused and think they have to do a bunch of things like turn away from this and get ready for this and do this. Just tell them Jesus died and rose again and he offers to them the gift of eternal life simply by faith. His promise, when you believe in him, he gives you life forever, eternal life.